Welcome to another episode of the House Divided podcast, a very special March Madness episode. Uh, I am Brendan, here with co-host Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, I am sorry your season's over, uh, as is most of the Big Ten. Uh, You do your intro, and then I want to get into the the Big Ten real quick before we start teams. As far as I'm concerned, it's uh, day two of spring football, Brendan. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I now live a life of uh, spring football videos and checking the transfer portal tweets, I guess, um, for football, basketball, and hockey, you know. So as uh, as I got a text right before we came on air about a possible hockey transfer. So, yeah, it's just that's my life. I live in the portal and, uh, and watch football highlights while you have games still to watch. Yeah, yeah, I get more years taken off my life for a, for a week or two. Um, you see, uh, we gotta we gotta address this. The Twitter told me that that sports fans have better mental health, and um, no, I just gotta address that, that can't be true. There is zero way that sports fans have better mental health than others. I mean, I yeah, that that there's not a chance. Maybe. Whatever we make up for in mental health, we just take off, uh, you know, the heart, the heart conditions that we give ourselves. So, <laughs> well, I do want to get into something that I didn't think I was going to have a chance to uh, this year. Um, I, I planned this for earlier in the season, and through a different series of events, I was not able to do this. But Brad Underwood, you baby back bitch, fuck you, you stupid idiot. I am so happy that you guys ran your mouth for weeks at a time and then lost to Big Ten Tournament champions, Loyola Chicago. Oh, man. I, well, you know, he's been a head coach since 2013, and Juwan Howard already has more Big Ten titles and Sweet 16 appearances. You fucking loser. You couldn't take Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn to the Sweet 16. Oh, so perfect. I'm so glad I got to get that out. I told you when I texted you the other week that it's all coming up, Brendan, this year, and you told me no. And you got to deliver a rant that you've sat on for three weeks. So... Oh. That's the definition of it. it's all coming up, Brendan, right now. Oh man, Brad Underwood, you eat shit, pal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about the rest, but um, Michigan making it farther than Illinois in the tournament without Isaiah Livers that feels decent. Um, don't know how far they're gonna go, but uh, let, let's talk about the rest of the Big Ten, though. Um, so a couple of the losses aren't embarrassing, right? MSU loses a play-in game, and outside of the way it happened, it's not embarrassing. You lose a play-in game. Uh, Wisconsin gets ran out by Baylor, but they were an eight seed. You know, Rutgers get almost made it to the Sweet 16. Uh, however, Purdue and Ohio State and Illinois, we got to talk, baby. Uh, Ohio State. You couldn't even let me enjoy a two fifteen upset because of who you lost to. So that's a problem, right? Like you lost, you lost to a school that has it against the student code of conduct to be gay. That is terrible. It's it's a lose lose situation. Uh, In Purdue, at least you lost to a team with a fun name. 
the mean green, North Texas. But uh, yeah, it, what what a unfortunate weekend for the Big Ten. Ohio State losing gave us the worst puns from the worst sports writers ever about how you can't dance on campus at Earl Roberts and that they were still dancing as a basketball team. Mm. And I'll forever blame Ohio State for that. <laughs> Never oh. forgot. Dwayne Washington. Well, the problem is they didn't get drawn up against a team from the state of Michigan. And so we should have known there yes. at that point. Um, his hero ball at the end was just staggeringly bad. Um <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really have much to say. Uh, I, I will address that. I don't think the conference was overrated and I don't think that this is the end all be all for if, if it was a good conference, because I mean, you have Iowa runs into an absolutely terrible matchup. Ohio state has to play without Kyle young. Um, Purdue is a team of freshmen that it's incredible that they even got to be a top four seed in the tournament. You know, there is, there's explanations for all of this and it could have went much differently. Um, it, it just is a bad look, bad look uh, for everybody getting to dance on the big 10. This is the inverse of that 2017 bowl season though, where every big 10 football team won except for Michigan. I think uh, so. I want to disagree with you on one thing and maybe it's not the conference as a whole is overrated, but can we maybe address that the coaching in this conference is overrated? Yeah, because sure. I don't know how else you explain that. I mean, yeah, granted, Purdue, this isn't the year that Purdue fans thought they were going to take off. That was going to be uh, next year. So, okay, whatever. You peak a year early. Um, Brad Underwood. Yeah. That uh, was- Mark Turgeon. Nah. Here's the thing. Like, you have no excuse. This, this was played in a bubble. Like, this is just coach on coach played in a bubble. You have your roster. You don't even have to worry about the crowd all of a sudden make mid-second half starting to pull for the Cinderella and kind of come against your team. Like, no one was there. (laughs) It's really low attendance, and it's pretty evenly split, if not geared towards a Big Ten team playing in Indianapolis. Like, the coaching in this league might be pretty overrated, Brendan, uh, because that was pretty piss poor to to show up to a tournament after a whole season of saying you played in the toughest league and none of you had your teams ready to go. Um, I don't know. I mean, they didn't even have to leave the city. They got to get to the city early and be there longer. And you could, you could spin that as a negative if you wanted to. I'm not going to, but you could. I, I don't so, know, man. I, when you're checking in with COVID protocols, I think that changes it. Like I do get in a normal time. I think you would get bored of being in the same place. But then you have, you have Big Ten teams losing in Mackey. MSU included, where the team you're playing has never played there. That should be an advantage. It's just, I don't know, man. The coaching was not great for yeah. the conference. So I think that's what we need to. Um, I think Brad Underwood's really the problem because, man, that dude uh, just got ran circles around by Porter Moser. And uh, oh. he, like just not making a single mid-game adjustment. Um and that's what you know. That's where it makes me thankful for Juwan Howard because uh, we'll talk about it when we get to the LSU game. But um, to be fair, he didn't have to face another coach. It was just a bunch of players on the other team. But still, to make the adjustments he had to, it's it's nice to see that we have a coach capable of doing that. Um, let's let's move on from the Big Ten though, because we have a lot to talk about tonight. 
Um, let's just go chronological order here with our teams uh, in their NCAA tournament games uh, or NCAA tournament play-in games, if you will. Uh, UCLA versus MSU. The only note that I put down is that's got to hurt. Uh, yeah, that had to hurt, huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a pretty much, uh, it was like reopening some scar tissue because that was just a loss that I, that loss was the loss to Purdue in January. That it was loss exactly was, the same. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was, I mean, it's just opening up scar tissue because it wasn't different. Uh, every problem that you saw all season came back. Um, offensive ineptitude for five to six minutes, weird lineups, Joey Hauser getting burnt by one guy that's hot on the other team. Um, Marcus Bingham not playing enough. Uh, and then you got to add on the typical NCAA thing now, apparently, which is two NCAA tournaments in a row where we have to spend a half time addressing is Tom is canceled because he's too mean. Um, you guys are such babies. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't care. I think, I think the reaction was stupid. I think, I mean, Listen, PS's I, reputation. I think there is a a certain subset of people that get fake mad about this and like yeah, trying yeah. to act mad. I think most people, especially in Michigan Twitter, are just getting off jokes because we see it oh, for sure two to three times every year. Um, it, the only thing that pulled like the only thing I'm faulting Tom Izzo here for, and I, I played sports, it's not that big of a deal. Um, what he did, but anytime you put your hand on the, on the kid, you're going to have the same thing you have every year, you know, but yeah. doesn't matter ultimately. Like, does it? I don't know. No, no, it doesn't. And I mean, yeah, again, if you want to fault it, that's where you can. Um, I kind of, as we tend to do around here, default to, you know, the moving screen pod a little bit too, of like they summed it up well, which was this isn't hidden. So no one comes to MSU. Like Gabe Brown didn't get there and go, oh, wait, this is how he is? No, that's, that's he's going to yell at you when you miss an assignment. And also I would say, man, Tom is maybe a little bit restrained because Gabe got some yelling off and he, uh, <laughs> he got to get his say too. So you know, for as much as it's all just uh he's a big mean coach, like Gabe had some uh <laughs> some room there. But no, I mean that loss was so emblematic of the entire season. Um that's what I tweeted out. That yeah, it was yeah. just it was just it felt like it summed up the whole season in, in yep. one game. Um and yeah. it definitely just it put a bow on this being a, a summer of in one part looking forward to some freshmen coming in, but almost in another side being more excited by what veterans could come in through the portal because it does feel like, you know, to become off a little brother right now, but if we, uh, we can find our Mike Smith in the portal, um, there's an incredibly high ceiling on this team next year, but if we don't, it could be this season over again. Um, even with some fun freshmen coming in, like the problems that exist are going to continue unless you address them in the portal because the freshmen coming in don't solve those problems. Um, yeah. Unless you want to let a freshman run point guard next year, which I don't think you do in the time is a normal year. So um, yeah, certainly uh made for an interesting summer uh, was not a fun way as an MSU fan to go from 
you know, thinking you had one last ride with Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman last year's tournament getting canceled to uh, then go through this season was not, not a good way to get that taste out of your mouth. Um, so it's going to be a long summer, but I think it's going to be kind of an exciting summer too of like resetting the program a little bit. Um, you can make the clean cut. It's been a full year since Xavier and Cassius were here. Um, time to address some misses that you've had in recruiting classes past and, and hit that transfer portal. So, which is now just becoming again, the life of an MSU fan. (laughs) So we get one football commitment this week. We have a chance at maybe a basketball commitment this weekend. Like it's just, it's kind of, it's exciting, I guess, for me as someone who loves free agency and pro sports or loves the draft and pro sports, like the NHL draft is one of my favorite days of the year. It just feels like I'm going through that now with, uh, filling out MSU rosters across three sports. So, yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that the, the new world of this, uh, enhanced trend, I, the transfer portal has been around for a couple of years, but it is, uh, really co- kicking into full swing now. Um, I think yeah, it could- I feel like we just, we just threw like some NAS in the system with having a COVID year, right. Yeah. And opening up free transfers. Like that has just made it I think the last time I saw it was basketball had close to 700 names in the portal mm-hmm. and the tournament's not even over. Yeah. And we, it, know some, we know as we get teams that get out of the tournament, you're going to start seeing some more. So um, it's insane. Like the musical chairs that you have to play right now. I, I really think it uh, it could separate the men from the boys in terms of coaching. Um, it, it, it Because I think it, it, it's definitely going to separate the old from new school. Yeah, yeah. You know, your ability to adjust to this life of like you don't have a two to three year recruiting cycle. Like you can be like Juwan was last summer and change your entire ceiling in the transfer portal. And, yep. I mean, that, he made the blueprint. I mean, it doesn't have to always go that well, but I mean, every program's got to look at Juwan right now and say like, we that's what we need to aim for when we go to the portal. All right. Is that, is that enough on Michigan State? Uh, there's probably more details about the game that we could talk about, but it would just be, we, we could even do that in the, the season in review because it was like, <laughs> it just minimized. Uh, I don't think we recorded after the Purdue game, but if we had, we could just play it back. It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, it, everyone's seen that loss before. It's yeah. brutal. It, it hurts more to see him go to the Sweet 16, that for sure. Because, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, kind of opened up, play, right? Get it, getting to play Abilene Christian, man. That's that's rough. But uh, here's uh, here's the difference, though. As bad as BYU played, can we really say that we count on MSU showing up the way UCLA did too? I, I don't know, I man. Partially no, but man, UCLA, I don't think they're good like they they looked they like aren't very <laughs> equal team to, to msu uh that night so i don't know um i don't think they have a chance to beat alabama but nope. let's move on to michigan's week um so i'm just gonna skim over this texas southern game uh it was fine felt uncomfortable late just because of the way michigan led a 22 point lead disintegrate to like 10 uh and they win by 16 um at michigan twitter was panicking and you told me to calm down and in retrospect you were very right it just uh the way the regular season ended it did not feel great uh but you know the lsu game happened so let's just get into that um that took years off of my life that was 
unbelievable basketball. Like, well, from a certain point. You know what, from an entertainment. You know what it was it, it felt like um it felt like Michigan's played probably two of the best games of the season between that LSU game and then it yeah. reminded me a lot of the first Ohio State game. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. we're just shots getting up made all over the place. The over is locked in by halftime. <laughs> like it was uh it was up and down, man. I tell you what. So, you know, I listened to the moving screen before the game and they're basically like, yeah, LSU doesn't really run anything. They're just going to chuck up a bunch of shots and an infuriating amount are going to go in. And uh, if, if that does happen and that many do go in, it's going to be a real nervous night. And they, they basically transcribed the game in advance. Um, Man, can't yeah. I mean, Cameron Thomas starts the game off of like five of six with, <laughs> except for one being pretty well contested. Uh, and you're just like, okay, that's not great. This is not how you wanted this to go. Michigan looked a little shaky on offense uh, in the first ten minutes. Probably they're a bit flustered by the pace of play and unbelievable degree of difficult shot making by LSU, but uh, Juwan got them calmed down. They made the proper adjustments. Uh, Eli Brooks and Chandy Brown are absolutely the reason Michigan won this game. They kept them in it when it looked dire. Um, and then when it got late, Hunter and Franz finally showed up and they uh, finished it off. So it, it was a real good team effort. Um the only negative I really have, because I feel like, again, most of that was just LSU going out there and making absurd shots, but uh, the only real negative was we knew going into it, Mike Smith did not match up well with this team, and he affirmed that, reaffirmed that, I guess, because he had a rough game, still made a clutch three that kept him in it and had some positive moments, drew a terrible charge call, but nonetheless, he drew it. Um, and, and so he wasn't all bad, but man, he's just not done great when he has to deal with some guard length defending him. Uh, and, you know, honestly, he held up better on the defensive end, but still finished like with a negative 14 on the night. Uh, and, you know, credit Juwan, to Juwan for only playing him 32 minutes because all year, even when he was having those rough games, he was out there for 37, 38 minutes. And uh, Juwan really made some smart decisions, I think, going to a lineup with Eli at the point guard. And uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think we could see more of that against Florida State because of how ginormous they are. I mean, I just was impressed by, uh, you know, like – Michigan survived the all-floater offense that LSU ran for the entire first half of just running to the free-throw line and sh- throwing up a floater that goes in. Um, but, no, I agree with you. I think that, again, as an outside fan, this is a game that shows that maybe at the time of the hire, we could all see Juwan being a strong recruiter, but maybe not giving him his respect for his X's and O's or in-game adjustments. This is a game you can point to that uh, shows the other side because he, that's a game where they had every right in the first half when it's 29-21 to just start freaking out. Um, they've been blowing teams out all year. They haven't been through, granted, they've been through some adversity at the end of the season there. Um, but really, 
I mean, this is a team that hasn't been in too many tight spots on the season, and uh, they just stayed calm. They got the lead before half even uh, and just never seemed to be rocked at all. Um, so, yeah. So, a lot of mental strength. I, I really was impressed with that because I've seen – I've seen Michigan teams before, you know, I think that 2019 team that gets swept by MSU is, is a prime example of a team that maybe had the, the pieces talent wise, but you know, you saw it every time they just, they crumbled a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah. there was two out of those three games against MSU. They, they led it at a fairly deep point in the second half and cash yeah. just took over and they were the tournament took over. Yeah. Yeah, and and yep. they crumbled. And in the tournament that year, they go and play Texas Tech in the Sweet 16, and they go down early, and they just seem flustered on offense, and they, they just mentally shut down and lose by 30. So, I mean, it, this would have been a very easy team for Michigan to be looking around after an entire weekend of lower seeds playing well and beating higher seeds and just being like, oh, God, we're next, getting in their heads. And they didn't, and they stayed in it, and they won the game. So credit to them. Them um, Moving on to the Sweet 16 without Isaiah Levers, I think at this point, in a normal year, you're looking at this bracket, this Final Four in the region, and saying uh, it, not a normal year. If you, I'm thinking if Isaiah Livers doesn't get hurt, you're looking at these four teams in this bracket and saying, with the year we've had, we need to get to the final four here. This is an opportunity for one. It'll be a wasted opportunity if they don't. I don't feel that's the same anymore. Um, I feel a lot better about this Florida State matchup than I did going into the tournament just after learning more and seeing the way Michigan was able to rally and play without Isaiah against LSU. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think – at this point, any other win is gravy. And as much as it feels lame to say that when you're a one seed and a big 10 champion, uh, circumstances are real. It's not an excuse. You lost an NBA player. So. Uh, uh, I mean, this Florida state team has not been impressive. I pitched them, I think pre-tournament there in my final four team, but they did not impress me their first two wins. So it depends what they come out with. Um, but at this point, I think, uh, I'd expect Michigan to get to the Elite Eight and uh, have a very similar similar game to what they had with LSU, in a way, um, if they were to run into Alabama, um, but just maybe come out on the losing end this time. But I don't know. I'm a little bit more bullish on them than you are right now. Uh, they showed me a lot last weekend. Yeah, no, I, that's fair. And, and like I said, I think this game feels winnable. Um, I, I really do. Uh, the more I learn about Florida State, so basically I'm just going to give you guys a short preview. Uh, Florida State is defensively, they're very similar to LSU, except they play defense, but they're going to switch everything. They're going to, uh, they're very long. Um, they do have some center, some seven footers. Uh, so they're probably going to go one-on-one -on -one with Hunter. Um, and so this game is going to be probably more about individual matchups than just hitting your shots. Um, and offensive, your ref, yes. Uh, Hunter, stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, that's that's a huge one. Um, that's probably my number one key to the game. I, I my number one key to the game for Michigan winning was uh, Hunter needs to win his one on one matchups. Uh, but that certainly includes foul trouble. 
uh, because if he gets into foul trouble, this this game is a terrible, terrible, terrible matchup for Austin Davis. Uh, so I I don't I, I think Hunter's probably going to need to play thirty to thirty five, uh, and that's that's probably it in that conversation. Um, the good news is Florida State doesn't post up the ball a lot. And they haven't faced a lot of post-ups this year. So I, I do think that somewhere Michigan could take advantage. The, their struggle this year has been getting the ball down low. And with uh, Florida State's length, I do worry about that a little bit. But I, I think that that's an opportunity for them to win a matchup. Uh, and when they don't have those seven-footers on the floor, they have no rim protection. So uh while I think when they don't have their seven footers on the floor, maybe that's your time to play small with Brandon or Austin at the five. But also if you can just steal a couple of minutes with uh, playing good defense with Hunter on the floor without those big guys, I think it, you're, it's a bucket every time you go down there. Um, the, the second key, Mike Smith, if he played the exact same way and didn't put much offensive output through and wasn't great on defense, but didn't turn the ball over so much. We're we're talking because uh, I, I think outside of turnovers, he doesn't need to have a good game. He can be a ghost, and I think Michigan could win. So, but it, it's turnovers that really could hurt this team, especially going to point number three. Um, UCLA or not UCLA sorry looking at somewhere else on the note sheet um Alabama (laughs) Florida State (laughs) Florida State they get a lot of points in transition they start to forget how to do offense when they're in the half court uh so if you can keep them out of transition by limiting turnovers I I feel pretty good about Michigan's chances here uh I don't know if you've listened to any Florida State previous stuff for, for Michigan, probably not, but do you have any other thoughts outside of that? Because I think that's a quick rundown on how Michigan wins this game. Uh, man, I feel pretty confident in Michigan in this game, to be honest. Um, it feels like they come off at LSU. It just feels like one of those things where you come off at LSU game, you reset, um, they get some practice time, Juwan schemes up, Florida State really well. You give him that much time. I I don't know. I've become respecting Juwan as a coach so much lately that it's hard for me to look at how Florida State performed last weekend, look at how Michigan performed in their last game out, and say, yep, in a week, Florida State comes back on this floor in this city and beats them. I just, that's hard for me to picture. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I The only thing I worry about is just because of how reliant this team has been on Mike Smith and these types of defensive matchups have just been so terrible for him. That is the only reason that I'm a little bit worried. Uh, not a little bit, why well, I'm a lot, but I mean, it's the NCAA tournament. If you're not worried then about your own team, then... It's the tournament and you're Brendan, so... Yes, that, that's true. <laughs> I, I am usually a big worrier uh, so about these type of things. Um, I, I will say as much as I've talked about how I think uh, this could be a bad matchup for Michigan, uh, I think you could say the same thing about Florida State. So the Michigan is a very good team at defending in transition. And like I've said, Florida State is extremely reliant on that. Uh, normally, 
uh, Florida State's height on defense is what uh, wins them games because they can just block everything near the rim. Well, your height advantage at the center position at least is gone because Hunter Dickinson can back you down and he's the same height as you. So uh, I do feel like if I were a Florida State fan, I'd be happy that Isaiah Livers isn't playing, but I, I still wouldn't be feeling great. Um, real quick, because we're not going to be recording in between the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, um, Alabama, like you said, it'd be very similar to the LSU game. I think so too. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a great offensive matchup. I actually, I, I know I feel like this is the key to this team, but I feel like if Hunter Dickinson stays out of foul trouble, uh, this is a pretty good matchup for Michigan because Alabama's a run and gun. They either shoot threes or they shoot at the rim. They don't take mid-range. Nate Oates is a very analytical coach, and he does not allow his team to shoot in the mid-range. The thing about this is, if they're getting shots blocked at the rim, that does not stop them from going to the rim. And so if, if long as Hunter Dickinson is out there, uh, I don't like their chances there. So I think that's a probably a 55-45 game that I'd probably favor Michigan in. Um, whereas Florida State's probably like a 60-40, maybe 65. And, and then UCLA, we've we've talked about them. They're not very good. They uh, If they can manage to get past Alabama, I feel the best out of a game against them that I do out of all three teams we've talked about. <laughs> like I, I think if we get to see UCLA in the Elite Eight, I am going to put a lot of money on Michigan going to the Final Four that night. So, uh yeah, that's a rundown. It's going to be tough. Um, it's going to be stressful for me, but Michigan's got a real chance to go hang another banner and go to a Final Four. So, that's the uh, schedule for them. Are they a Saturday, Monday? They're a Sunday, Tuesday. So, I was supposed to work Sunday and switched it around. So, now I am <laughs> available to watch uh, both uh, that game and the potential second game. Um, so, yeah, what, what's your Final Four picks, Jeremy? I know we, we – might have said this on the podcast last week, but things change. I lost Oklahoma State, and so yeah, I think uh, I think the only it depends on what my bracket ended up being. I'm actually pulling up our. Uh, this gives me a chance to mention our bracket contest here, um, as I'm pulling it up here a little bit. Well, here, uh, I know. I'll give my thoughts while you pull it up. Um, yeah. So, so you've convinced me. And Michigan against LSU has convinced me. So my final four picks are now Gonzaga-Michigan uh, in one matchup. And uh, Baylor and Loyola. I, I don't see any – I don't think Houston's going to – well, I know that's not who Loyola plays first. But um, in that region, I think Loyola's biggest competition is Houston, and I, I like the Ramblers. So that is my final four pick. Uh, it, now go on with what, what you had. I hope you have it pulled up by now. Honestly, I'm going to try and do my uh... – Dude, off my original bracket, but I think I, you know, I was trying to say, I think the only one I really lost was Ohio State. Um, cause I, I did so much tinkering that I was trying to remember if that's what I did or not. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think Loyola is a fun pick out of that region. Um, cause again, I don't really think Houston was one that I, I thought Illinois was going to run away with that Houston, side of the bracket, to be honest. They were very close to losing to Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were. They had every uh, every every chance to. So I guess, man. I mean, easily Gonzaga. That's an easy one for me to 
put through. I don't see anyone beating them. So uh, Gonzaga out of that region. Um, like I said, I think that Alabama-Michigan game is going to be such a toss-up. But as we sit today, um, I guess Alabama just seems a little bit more impressive in the tournament, even though the Michigan-LSU game was super impressive. I just I would need to see what they do against Florida State on Sunday to change that. So I mean, it's a coin. I guess I'll, that one could go either way if Michigan sees Alabama. I, I, I would, I would put it not fault you at all for taking Alabama for the to the final four. I like their chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So then I, I think I will go with Loyola out of the other region. Last, uh, the one for me to pick. <laughs> um, Man, what who'd you go with again, Brendan? Baylor. I don't, I don't, I don't like Baylor's Baylor. losing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So Illinois was the only four, final four team I lost because I I went back and forth between Baylor and Ohio State and uh, Ohio State out of there. And I would definitely go Baylor too. Yep. Yep, that checks out to me. I, I just they're playing Creighton next round, right? Or is it Villanova? I I don't remember. Villanova, but Villanova, Creighton's yeah, Villanova. The, uh, Creighton's in the one with Gonzaga, right? They're on the other side of yeah. the bracket, I think. Yeah, so Villanova doesn't stand a chance with with their injuries this year, um, and. I think the only other team – oh, yeah, it's Arkansas Oral Roberts on the other side. Yeah, I can't see Baylor uh, not making it to the Final Four at this point. The Arkansas uh, game could be good if they get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it you know, could. Oral Roberts isn't going to be an easy out, though, with one of the best players in the country. But um, that Arkansas-Baylor game, which I guess we would have had in this regular season. No, it's SEC. God, I'm, I'm all over the place, <laughs> Brendan. It's no, a- I think that could be a good game. I think that that Arkansas Baylor game kind of that in the Michigan Alabama would make for a really good elite eight. I think so too. Um, all right, well, that's our men's tournament preview. Uh, I it would be a disservice for either of us to sit here and try and analyze the women's tournament. We have not done the due diligence. I just wanted to give a shout out to Michigan for making the Sweet Sixteen for the first time in program history. Um, just an unbelievable turnaround job of this program that was in a very bad spot as recent as just 10 years ago. And uh, they, they have turned it around the past couple of years and they've made the tournament a couple of years in a row and um, just a really good job to beat a, a Tennessee team that they were not favored to win against. And uh, really impressive job. They have to play Baylor on Saturday, I believe. And uh that's unfortunate, but I they have a chance, and it'll be a good watch. So shout out to those those ladies for really being an excellent watch for whatever I've got to watch of them last weekend. Yeah, really, uh, it's good to see you too because I don't think that was always one of the most confounding things about Michigan is you look at how strong the softball program is, and you look at how strong the men's basketball program was. It never really made sense to me that Michigan's women's program was struggling in like the bottom of the big 10, the way they were for so long. So um, good to see them, you know, making a run and for MSU, I just hope we get a season next year where uh, they can stay healthy. <laughs> they have had a two years in a row of just 
catastrophic injuries um, to upperclassmen and to key contributors. So just hoping for uh, being able to watch the MSU women next year play a full healthy season because I think they can play themselves into, you know, top half of the Big Ten and a uh, much better seed in the NCAA tournament to really can they make a run. Yeah, and I mean, the team they lost to is about to uh, punch their ticket to the Sweet 16 if they can finish this off in a 7-2 upset. So, uh, and, and that was a close game, I believe, between Michigan State and Iowa State, too. So Yeah, with, no again, game. one of the best individual performers in the women's game, too, on Iowa State, so. Yep. All right. It's hockey time, Jeremy. And uh, for the first time this year, hockey time does not include Michigan State. So I'm very sorry. Uh, we will have our season in review slash transfer watch slash uh, what does next year's roster look like. We will be doing that show in the coming month, and we will probably be doing it again and again all summer based on the transfer portal. Uh, but it's time to talk about the NCAA hockey tournament and for those who maybe don't follow don't if you're here for basketball do not skip to the end of the podcast because this is pro it's more random than the basketball tournament the games are just as intense if not more if you've seen playoff hockey you know what i'm talking about and it does not fail to live up to that hype uh in this tournament and it's been described as hockey plinko, and that's a little bit unfair to the players, but kind of. So uh, we're going to talk about Michigan first and their potential route to a Frozen Four, and then we will make our Frozen Four picks for all four regions. Um, Michigan starts out. They play Friday at 4 p.m. on ESPNU against Minnesota Duluth. Minnesota Duluth are the two-time back-to-back defending champions of this tournament. Obviously, that doesn't include last year because there was no tournament. Uh, And that's not as bad as it sounds. So, on one hand, this is not the Minnesota Duluth of years past. They are are very beatable. Um, They don't have as much scoring from the blue line, which was their main... Uh, main feature that made them so good the last couple of years in this tournament. No Anderson uh, brothers. Yeah. And they, they only have, I believe a couple draft picks. They are not out here. They're not one of these teams like Michigan or North Dakota or Wisconsin or Minnesota who are uh, just loaded with future NHL guys. Um, they're, they're a team. This is not a gimme by any means. It's a two, three game. And uh, Minnesota Duluth is a good team, but I think this game is one that you're going to be kind of looking, holding your hands up, asking what happened this season if Michigan loses this game because uh, I think it's very winnable. And uh, to be honest, I, I trust in Mel, per- Mel Pearson to win it. He's This team has been better on the first night of games every single series than they were the second night. Um, I don't know if that's just because it takes teams a while to adjust to their speed and skill. Um, so, so that feels good pretty in a single elimination tournament. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I don't feel like in, obviously, you know, you get a, some bad refereeing and Duluth gets more power plays or you get some bad bounces and your season ends and, 
it's hard to predict and say what's acceptable and what's not, especially in a single elimination hockey tournament, but I'd like to see Michigan win this game. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah. I mean, if you're a Michigan fan guy to keep an eye on is uh, probably Cole Kepke is probably going to be the most dangerous guy on Minnesota Duluth. Um, Six round draft pick of the NHL's uh, Timmy lightning. He's probably the kid that I, I like the most on their squad. Um, but his numbers aren't going to jump out of you, especially if you're a, a Michigan fan. You see some of your your guys' numbers, but I mean, you know, 13 goals in 26 games, pretty good player up front. Um, they have a defenseman that I like. He's not a scorer, but Wyatt Kaiser, who's a nice freshman defenseman, third round pick out of the Blackhawks. Like those are just some individual guys that I think you should keep an eye on for just watching individuals. But um, overall, yeah, it's Michigan to me feels. Uh, at least like a goal, goal and a half going into it better, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. And then it, you just see the bounces that come out. Um, so I think I, it, it needs touched on that Minnesota Duluth is like the luckiest NCAA tournament team of the last 10 years. They, uh, it, they also it, have a pretty good coach. But no, yes, they are an course. extremely fortunate team. Let's but put it to, that win, <laughs> to win, I think it's nine or ten straight one-goal games in the NCAA tournament. And I have they ever lost an overtime game? It, like I, it seriously feels like that. Uh, they have gotten some absurd runs of luck. So that is uh, a little bit nerve-wracking if this game goes late and Michigan's not winning by two goals, it's going to be a little nervous, not just because of Duluth, but because Michigan has had a tendency this year of not being able to finish games off as recently as their last game in the Big Ten tournament against Minnesota. So Yeah, I think you look at it. I mean, you look at the top four scorers for Michigan, all freshmen, um, and then you compare that to you look at the top four scorers on Minnesota Duluth, you go senior, junior, senior, junior, senior, junior, if you want to get it down to sixth. So – to me, that's where those intangibles come in. Um, so Michigan, you know, you want to come out to a quick start. The longer you let this just hang on to Minnesota Duluth, I start to get nervous about their uh, their veteran savvy and their ability to have been here and done this before um, against maybe a young Michigan team that's a little out of their element. You're also young enough that you could just not care about the moment and play amazing and just run them out of the building. Um, Absolutely. and that's what I think. You, I think that's what you want to have if you're a Michigan fan because you don't want this one maybe 2 1 going into the third or a tie game going into the third because that's going to start tilting towards Duluth. I think that the only, the only results here are anywhere from Michigan blowing this game open to Minnesota Duluth uh, winning a super tight game. I, I don't see a world where they go out and Duluth wins by a ton of goals. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. Um, I, I really look forward to it because, again, watching your team in this tournament is an absolute uh, heart attack, but it's also a treat. You, you can make some good memories. Uh, now, on to what would be the regional final, the Elite Eight, if you will. Um, man. That Michigan gets put in the number one overall seeds region, North Dakota. And uh, North Dakota is just as talented as Michigan. This is not a situation like Duluth. Uh, They have a ton of NHL picks. They have some guys that are going to be NHL picks. 
Uh, they are a very, very, very good team. And my first note is that I don't think they can be happy with this draw, right? Because I think Michigan's probably the most dangerous two seed in the tournament. I don't think they can be happy with this draw because I think AIC is a scary four seed, if you want me to be honest. Um, well, yeah, but those Atlantic teams are always scary because of the way this tournament happens. Um, yeah. But no, but, I mean it's it's a tough draw. You you get I think probably you know for my money looking at the four seeds. I mean you've got AIC, Bemidji State, Omaha, and Notre Dame. I honestly think they got the toughest four seed. So you have the toughest four seed. You're telling then, me you'd uh, rather have AIC or you'd rather have Notre Dame than AIC? Oh, 100 percent. If I have North Dakota speed and I can just break through their bullshit, oh yeah. Yeah, this AIC team is going to be Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan this year. I I understand if I'm if I'm BC, I'm pissed. Anyway, okay, we're getting away from the fact of the matter. (laughs) No, they do, they do. For for being the number one overall seed, though, you know, I agree with you. They got the toughest two seed. Um, UMass might be a little bit better than Michigan, but I just think it's hard for me to judge hockey East this year. Um, The fact that we had a lot. A really, really minimal amount of out of conference games between these. Obviously, the Big Ten, we didn't play any, but out east, even they played very minimal. Um, so I think it's hard for me to know what this UMass team really is. Um, but if UMass isn't the second best, they, you know, it's UMass or Michigan for me as the number one two seed. So, no, North Dakota did not get a fun draw. Um, but I think this could just be the Michigan-Alabama game on skates. (laughs) This is going to be one where if we get Michigan-North Dakota and uh, for some reason DraftKings decides to throw off some NCAA hockey odds, I'm hammering the over Um, because there's going to be a ton of goals in that one. Yeah, man. I I put in my notes, uh, if we get this game, it will be NHL Scout Twitter's uh, favorite game of the year or one of them. Because there are so many talented kids, uh, and it, it honestly would be a spectacle. Um, I'd favor North Dakota here. Uh, they are prob they're they've been more consistent this year, albeit they haven't had to play Wisconsin and Minnesota several times. Um, so they're not in as good of a league, but just the fact they've been so good to keep that number one seed. Um, and they're at home. That has to be spoken for. Uh, but if you, this isn't like that 2016, I think it was, when Michigan Michigan with Kyle Connor and uh, Tyler Mott and Jake Comfer go and play North Dakota in the Elite Eight, and they just outside of that line couldn't skate with them. That's not the situation here. Michigan is probably – one of four or five teams in the country that can play with North Dakota, I would say. And so I think this one is probably a 55-45 type. North Dakota has an edge, but in one of the most random tournaments in the in the world of hockey. Uh, it's going to be an excellent game if they play. I really hope they do. Uh, it'll definitely be the most stressful hockey game I've watched since that Frozen Four against uh, Notre Dame. But I'd be honored to get to. <laughs> so I'm going to say Michigan moves on. Um, the NCHC just wasn't impressive to me this year. Schools that are usually, you know, 
competing for an NCAA bid, if not not only an NCAA bid, but a top NCAA bid like Denver, um, even to some extent Western Michigan, you know, those teams were down. Uh, Colorado College and Miami were god-awful still. And so, and then Omaha snuck in as like the joke team that probably shouldn't be in, but they got in. And so the only real good teams that I feel like North Dakota played was St. Cloud State and Duluth all season. Um, and even with Duluth, they snuck by a 2-1 win and they tied 2-2. So I don't think this North Dakota team in the NCHC is as good as uh, advertised usually. So I'm going to pick Michigan out of this region. All right. Me too, actually. I, I, I don't know why. I just have this feeling. <laughs> about this team and I know it seems ridiculous I'm picking Michigan to go to the frozen four and final four in the same year which I would say doesn't happen but it happened three years ago um it it just I this team is so talented and I do worry about them in close games but I just think I I do think these are going to be Strauss man's last games as a Michigan Wolverine and I have a good feeling about his play, uh, especially he's going to want a big rebound after that goal he let in against Minnesota. To uh, It didn't lose him the game, but, it, but to allow overtime. Um, I'm expecting a lot from this team, and it should be some fun hockey. Um, let's get into Frozen Four picks then. Uh, I'll let you start. Uh, we both have Michigan advancing from the Fargo Regional. Uh, I believe they would play the winner of – let's just go region by region – who do you think is going to win the region with Wisconsin in it? Let me let me pull uh, up. Bridgeport Regional, huh? Um, so I think they both, you know, as much as I love Lake Superior State uh, as a program, I thought they had, you know, their best year in forever. You have Wisconsin versus Bemidji State and UMass versus Lake Superior State. I think both of those are not going to be competitive. Uh, so Wisconsin versus UMass, and again, that is a game that I am – going to be looking forward to greatly um i think that matchup is amazing um but i ride for umass uh i think over wisconsin take nothing away from wisconsin season but um this umass team just impresses the hell out of me and uh you know i'll just take them and their tournament acumen a little bit to come out of that, that region yeah that's completely fair i'm gonna take wisconsin uh, i i think that as long as they can get decent performances out of uh, their goaltending, which I think they will, um, I think they're gonna their goal scoring is gonna carry them to the Frozen Four, and that would create a Michigan Wisconsin Big Ten game in the Frozen Four, which is coincidentally what happened the last time Michigan was in it. So, and and that would be just a fantastic game with the stakes and everything considered. Um, let's head up to. Why are the names not on here? Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Minnesota's region with uh, – All right, so in Colorado. Yeah. This one is the weakest region for me. Absolutely. Um, I, Omaha, as I just discussed, probably, to be honest to me, in a normal – a season where we probably have the pairwise, who knows if they're in. Um, you know, like they barely sneak in over teams like Bowling Green – you know, just not impressed by them this year. So I think Minnesota just easily walks through them. And Minnesota State, Quinnipiac, it's hard to know again with Quinnipiac. 
who they they've had such a weak schedule this year. I'll take Minnesota State. Um, I'm gonna take Minnesota out of the region, but uh, that game, Minnesota Minnesota State, could get weird. Um, you know, I can certainly see Minnesota gacking the game up, but uh, it feels like this region is pretty easy for Minnesota to walk out of. As much, and I do agree that it should be easy for Minnesota to come out of. I'm gonna put my Red Wings fan hat on. And I'm going to take Knipiak out of this region. I think Keith Petrozelli is going to go. Keith Petrozelli, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Keith Petrozelli is going to go nuts for Knipiak. And Minnesota has proven against your Spartans that they can be brought down to a level uh, and beaten when they shouldn't be. I know Michigan State didn't beat them, but just for that team to even get them to overtime is a little worrying. Uh, and I think Petrozelli has been one of the best goaltenders in college hockey this year, despite their bad schedule. And uh, Minnesota hasn't been great when they get a couple early goals scored on them. So uh, I, this is where I, this is a region where I decided that I can't just take a bunch of chalk. And <laughs> I think he uh, just wanted to get out of the big 10 feel is where it feels like that too, a little bit. Um, it, <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's not absurd because that year, uh, no, it's not. After Frozen Four, there three out of the four teams were from the Big Ten, um, and it very well could happen again this year. But I I needed somebody to pick that's not a one seed or Michigan, and uh, I like Keith Petrozelli and genuinely think that he can carry them through this regional. So that brings us to insert city name, Jeremy. The uh, Albany region. God, we have the worst regions in college hockey. Um, so this gives the North Dakota region uh, a run for its money <laughs> because um, Notre Dame, like we've said, has beaten Minnesota, Michigan, and Wisconsin this year, and they get Boston College, who's another one of those North Dakota-type t- teams with just a shit ton of NHL talent that is capable of beating anyone in the country. And then in the other matchup is St. Cloud State and Boston University, and I think that should be a pretty good game as well. Um, in my notes, I took Boston end of <laughs> end of team name because I was still flip flopping on these, but I, I'm gonna just write down my pick in as BC. I think Boston College is gonna get through. Uh, ah, yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to pick BC, but I'll pick BC over St. Cloud. I don't like this BU team this year. Um, yeah, and as much as I said, the NCHC is not their usual self. Their usual self is still miles ahead of Hockey East, So, in my opinion. So I'll take St. Cloud to get past BU, but I thought this is probably the region I'll probably check in on the least. Um, just not – maybe BC's talented as hell, but I just feel like this region – yeah, as long as they can survive the strangeness of a Notre Dame game, I think they just walk right out of this region. Okay, well, there you have it. Uh, there is our frozen four picks. I will go over mine. I had Michigan with, versus Wisconsin and Knipiak versus Boston College. Jeremy, I believe you had Michigan versus UMass and Minnesota versus Boston College. Um, and so The greatest color matchup in, in the game right there. Maroon and gold on maroon and gold. Oh, I wouldn't like it. I hate that. I hate, I really don't like it. Uh, But uh, 
that's it folks that's our official hockey preview um hopefully we have some michigan uh, well i say hopefully for half of this podcast that we have some michigan games to talk about next week um it, maybe maybe jeremy's theory will be right it's all coming up brendan this year that would be fantastic if, I'll, I'll admit to it if they if they can actually pull one of these out because it it sounds great having two teams that go to the Frozen Four and Final Four, but oh boy, does it hurt if you don't get anything out of that. <laughs> it, 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 I'm... Uh, to have your life issues, Brendan. Oh, whatever, man. You, you've, gotten, <laughs> you've gotten to see a more recent national championship in two out of three sports. Well, all three. Well, no, you haven't seen a football natty either. I no, but, no, neither one of us has seen that. If you go by Rose Bowl, I guess. But uh, well, Big yeah. Ten championship for football. So you, oh you, yeah, sure, that's it. You can, yeah, you okay. can eat the the bad clouds and all this stuff over your head or whatever, because MSU basketball had one bad season. But you have gotten more, so I'm I'm not gonna let you take this away from me. If if I get to be sad. <laughs> Um, oh man! Speaking of sad, Minnesota basketball hired former Richard Patino assistant <laughs> Ben Johnson after firing Patino, and our boy Rich fired off the best tweet ever, uh, congratulating him and saying that he learned everything from Richard, including in-state recruiting, which is uh, which was Minnesota fans' biggest gripe with Patino. Uh, so. I just wanted to talk about this for a little bit. Also, the fact that Indiana has had a uh, Brad Stevens has been confirmed three times by uh, quote sources, and he is definitely not coming. Thad Matta, there's a story on him potentially getting signed on and then failing a physical, uh, which I've heard is not true. But man, this is crazy. This is hilarious, and the fact that. We haven't heard anything yet about John Beeline is making me feel like that's not happening. So I I don't say even... it, Brandon. Say it. Say what? Dane Fife, baby. Oh Dane Fife, baby. He's free. He's got time to interview. I hope so. Uh but man, I mean, Minnesota just completely bungling it, followed by uh Followed by Indiana, what? we don't even know what's going on. This is this is nuts. What is Minnesota doing? I mean, did they see the blueprint that Western Michigan did last year and say, "Well, that's the way I want to handle it." Minnesota's your, done. Your team is not impressive. Why would you take the assistant off of the? What? What are They're you doing? Done. They're done. Just just let PJ coach the basketball team. They're, They're just, setting- just do that. They're, they're setting the program back a few years, and uh, in this Big Ten, that is not what you want to do, man. So I, 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 that's, that sucks for their fans because they have fans that when their basketball team is on all cylinders, they, they, uh, they're they fun. The, the barn can be a great place to watch a game, it seems, and uh, sucks because I don't think it's going to be a great place to watch a game for a while. Yeah, uh, their fans don't deserve it, but Indiana fans deserve every second of this. Oh my God, is this not just perfect? Uh, I it's like it's like if Michigan football, I don't know. I, I'm not 
in the position to say this because like I see it from a fan. So it doesn't Michigan football situation doesn't seem as bad to me as Indiana basketball right now. No, Indiana basketball is Texas football. And as much as we joke that U of M is Texas football, you guys aren't quite that bad yet. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're <laughs> Texas. They're Texas and USC football. Yeah. So, uh, man, this is going to be a fun story to keep up with week by week. And the last thing I wanted to talk about, because I, I mentioned my disdain for Mark Turgeon, who is apparently being chased out of the Big Ten by Juwan Howard, because a rumor surfaced online today that he is aiming to leave Maryland to, oh, to go to a coaching vacancy in the Midwest. And as uh, Verbose and I were talking on Twitter, those options are either A, Marquette, or B, IU, which would be so goddamn funny. But that's not happening. Um, well, it's Marquette, isn't it? I feel well, like he's been angling to get out of there for years. CT mentioned that DePaul could be a pick, which for Maryland, if you have a coach leaving – in in many circumstances, I would have it say if you have a coach leaving you for DePaul, it's a bad sign. But I'm pretty sure if you talk to 80% of Maryland fans, they would drive him. They would take that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. They want him. Never, never forget that the number one fan of probably COVID wiping out March Madness last year and the Big Ten tournament was Mark Turgeon. Because that dude felt like he was a week from getting fired. To yep. then the tournament, because there's going to be Maryland as a four or five seed, loses in the NCAA tournament, first round again, and then he's going to be fired. And, so and then, but, so but, this feels like it'd be the way to go if you're Mark Turgeon. Well, you know why I, I believe this? Normally, I just hear a rumor like this, and you're like, okay. I believe this rumor because after they get stomped by Alabama in the round of 32, which, by the way, there is no shame in that. You were a 10 seed, and what I'm about to say that he said is correct. But he goes, look at this team. We're not a Final Four team. And uh, what the fuck are you doing, man? You can't just say Great that. recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Like, holy shit, dude. That, what are you doing? So I, I believe it. And, uh, and Maryland, they're a program who could get a big name, I think, but it's going to be a year zero for them if they do because with the transfer portal, they'll lose a ton, and they don't really have crews coming in to save them. And so, uh, yeah, I, I am not upset to see a potential disintegration of Maryland basketball, uh, but it, it could be imminent. Um and no, that's what I'll it. say is I want Mark Turgeon to stay because I think I think if they replace Mark Turgeon, they will return. If they keep Mark Turgeon, this is who they are. So yeah, uh, yeah. You know, in a way, in a way, I want them to keep Mark Turgeon because I think Maryland uh, has a much higher ceiling than what they're operating at right now. Oh, for but sure. Not with Mark, but not with Mark Turgeon as coach. Nope. Uh, so uh, Mark Turgeon appears to be leaving because he's scared of Juwan Howard and Hunter Dickinson taking his lunch money once more next year. You know what I heard? I heard that in DePaul's conference, which showing my basketball acumen, are they, were they A-10? What even are, <laughs> oh, I think what even they're are Big they? East, bro. Big East, yes, they're in the Catholic school Big East. That's right. Um, here outside of Maybe Georgetown and Patrick Ewing. Everyone else stays in their damn box. And that's what Mark <laughs> needs. 